Hello and welcome! It's Maya, your host, and this is Motive. And I just put my phone onto my crotch <laughs> so it doesn't buzz on the table, making noises while I'm recording this podcast. So now uh, my crotch is vibrating, which I'm sure everybody wanted to know. <laughs> Especially as a prelude to this serious, serious episode. So yeah, let's just uh, move from the TMI and uh, dive straight in. In 1986, the bishop Gary Heidnick kidnapped a sex worker, Josefina Rivera, trapping her in his basement. This is a place he designed for keeping sex slaves and where during next four months he'll bring four more girls to join Josefina. It will be the actions of Gary Heidnick enforced on the victims and survivors during these four months that inspire the plot behind Silence of the Lambs. We have our perp, we got our victim, what was the motive? Moving on to the discovery. Why have I just announced every single word? Okay. So, we are going to 1987. Remember 1987? No, because you were not born, because you were young. Okay. (laughs) I don't. I wasn't born then. I wish I was born in the 80s. You know, it's just like the postmark of serial killers. But like late 80s. Like 89. 89 would have been the perfect age to still witness, like, everything I witnessed. Just, like, three more years. No, but then I would be 30. I wouldn't like that. Yeah, 92 was great. Okay, so... (laughs) Fuck. 1987. What happened in 1987 in this case? So, four months uh, after her abduction, Josefina was helping abduct the women. Because she was smart. Because she realized that's her only way out. And uh, she was smart and she managed to manipulate Gary into a situation where she managed to get out of the basement. So the first chance, she asked him to um, have a few minutes to see her family. And she ran to a flat where she lived with her boyfriend. So, of course, just imagine, after four months of not seeing your girlfriend, who was a sex worker as well. So, like, what are you doing? You're not particularly looking for your girlfriend, are you, freak? So she just, like, goes into the flat and tells him, you know, I have been tortured, I have been, like, um, kidnapped, tortured for four months, please, like, call the police straight away. He doesn't believe her, but still, like, calls 911. The police also is really skeptical, but then she actually shows them, um, shows them the scars, shows the marks of the chains around her ankles and wrists, so they're like... Okay, let's, um, yeah, go there. So the police actually goes to the petrol station where Gary was waiting for Josefina to return, and they finally arrest him. She brings him to the basement, and they manage to save two other victims that were still alive, apart from Josefina as well. So again, just to alleviate the pain of this, he reached the trial, he was sentenced to death, uh, he has been executed, cried like a baby at his sentencing, could only think about himself... So we'll talk about that later, but yeah, just wanted to let you know, this piece of shit sort of had his justice served, I guess. Speaking of death row, I watched Just Mercy last night, just before, yeah, recording this, this morning. Clearly, if you watched it last night. Ah, oh, God, why do I do this to myself? 
but yeah, speaking of Death Row, watch Just Mercy, and it's really great, and I would really recommend it. It kind of it is heavy. It's not for, you know, pregnant women, apparently. There's a pregnant woman that got up and couldn't actually handle it. She was properly emotional, etc. Like, it will get emotional. It will piss you off, but, like, it is really important, again, to spark up a conversation. So, yeah, it is kind of different because it is about exonerating a person on death row, which Gary Heinig would have definitely not deserved. Yeah, it just reminded me to mention watch that movie. Okay, uh, going on to the crime. Okay, to understand why Gary kidnapped these women, or rather, there is some polemics why he kidnapped black women only. So, either it was the influence uh, by his mom, who remarried to two black men after um, being married to, like, his white dad, obviously, because Gary was white as fuck, or because his dad was a racist and then was heavily influencing Gary from the young age in that direction. So, one or the other. Again, let me know which one you agree more with, but Gary was properly just aiming for black women and sex workers for easy access. So he kidnapped Josefina Rivera, who that night that she was kidnapped had a fight with her boyfriend and she went to the streets. She was like, let me go to work. Let me search, yeah, for the money. Fuck this guy. Get it. Get it, girl. Get your money. Get your dollar. (sighs) But not this night, unfortunately, because he pulls over. She gets into his car. And basically, he's like, yeah, um, we're gonna go to mine, but I just need to make a stop before we get down to business. Okay, if somebody tells you, let's get down to business, leave them. Leave him, sis. No. Uh-uh, it's, it's creepy. What do you mean, let's get down to business? Ugh, no. Even, especially in the sex worker situation. It's just like, this is my work. Like, I do this to get the dollar, to get some money. Like, let's not make it even more, even worse than it is. Okay, so they pull into his driveway, and she notices a Rolls Royce. This guy, uh, we'll come to this, but this guy was bowling, and he was just spending the money in the weirdest ways. Like, he did not, his house was disgusting. He did not give a fuck about his house, etc. But hey, he, he was just like, let's invest in Rolls Royce, guys. So basically, so they go in, like, they all have sex, and she's like, yep, let me, you know, get out, let me go. But he uh, immediately handcuffs her. Uh, drags her to his basement, where, imagine, just going down, first of all, basements are always going to be the creepiest motherfucking things. But imagine going down the basement, and you see a pit that he dug in the middle of the basement. (sighs) Already, you're like, this ain't, this ain't. Like, this was bad, this was bad, but now there's a pit in the middle of the basement. Like, this is not this is not somebody to reason with. So he keeps abusing her, he keeps in in this basement, and all this time he's digging this hole in front of her. Again, the psychological levels this guy went to. And he justifies himself by telling her he always wanted a large family. So his idea was to kidnap 10 women, so 10 sex, like, to have 10 sex slaves, and to get them all pregnant so he can raise his family. Just imagine the terror, first of all, the logic. (laughs) First of all, the fucking logic of this guy and how he imagined the ways he sees having large family. Already can tell you beautiful childhood. Beautiful. Like, what he saw in his childhood to reach this level of how, like, to create a nice, healthy family. Already tells you everything. But just imagine, she, like, 
if this was me, I would be like, please don't even, just don't even explain it. Like, I know that I want the motive behind why you're doing this, but really? Really? Ever heard of consensual sex and marriage? No? Gary, that's something foreign to you. Also, Gary. I understand this guy was born, you know, 50s, 60s. Fucking look up when he's born. It's always irrelevant in these fucking cases. But, uh, Gary? Does anybody name their baby Gary in 2020? Please tell me now. Please drop this. The baby Gary's. Okay. Okay, so now we come to the rough part as, uh, as, uh, you know, we go into depth with the crimes. So when she'd scream, he'd beat her with a stick. And then one of the creepiest things every time I would watch like Criminal Minds on any fucking TV show is when they would leave a freaking hostage behind and they would turn up music and radio like on so nobody can hear the screams. That is always so bizarre to me. And why is nobody reporting? Like they're freaking neighbors in flats and houses out there reporting like loud music at 9 p.m. Nobody's fucking reporting this radio blasting the whole day from a basement. Come on, red flag. Come on, neighbors. Fuck this shit. Yeah. And it also fucks in them on a psychological level. Because obviously you're just there, either suffering or you have just been tortured. And like, you're trying to get out. But no, you can't because this guy left a freaking radio to like go like and mess with your brain as well so you can't even sleep you can't even rest you can't even yeah get get help for yourself so because she has screamed so basically what she did is like she tried you know how basements have those little windows so she tried to scream top of that so that's why he put the radio um over her but what he would do then because to punish her he would actually put her in a pit and cover her in there and then just bring her out you know for torture and possibly like food and water. So just imagine, she spent a week in that pit, like most hours of a day, just in a pit, just cold by herself, shoved underground basically, kind of buried alive kind of feeling. Great. When she hears, so she's all crampled, like, just, you can't even move a muscle, it's just beyond me. So she's all crampled down when he brings another woman into the basement. So he brings Josefina out to, you know, meet another woman, meet another wife, you know, mother of his future kids. Just the logic of this guy creating a family is still above and beyond. Um, And Josefina realizes that this woman is actually mentally disabled and doesn't understand that she's being used by Gary. Like, she is worshipping Gary, this new woman. She's talking about him like he has saved her life, he's her friend... She just does not understand the situation. And what Gary does, what Gary did with mentally handicapped women will always kind of make him you know, just punch, punch something straight up in front of you, whatever it is that is in front of you. So he forced the new girl called Sandy to write a letter to her mom and he said to her that he is going to get a stamp, he's going to go to a trip to New York, he's going to get a stamp and post it from there so that she thinks she's in New York. So that her mom thinks she's in New York. Just again. Just again. So, like, I feel like Josefina, because she was the first one in the basement, was kind of immediately seeing everything and seeing all the psychological things he would use and how he would use them. Seeing his communication and his whole, like, bizarre fucking logic of creating this family and kidnapping mentally handicapped women to do it. 
So she immediately was picking up on these things and she was like, this is not on. Now that Josefina finally has somebody, at least she can use this person, you know, um, to stick next to each other for warmth, you know, whether it's in a pit or downstairs just in a basement, because it's a basement, it's cold, of course he doesn't give a fuck about them. So they stick to each other for warmth, um, and then any time they would try to scream, they were punished by either putting one of them in a hole or hanging them with one arm from the ceiling. So he would like handcuff one arm to the ceiling and then let them hang that way and then leaving them there for hours. Okay, so at some point, so he keeps like every few weeks, he keeps bringing somebody else in. So at some point it was four other girls and Josefina. So how did he actually manage to inflict this, this much fear or psychological torture onto them? It's by manipulation and also obviously using one, like, using them to turn them against each other. So, you know, whichever girl he would leave in charge, let's say, on that day, if she was to report something, she would get rewarded and the other girls would get punished. It oddly enough... What is going on? Sorry. Kids left school. It's lunchtime. What the fuck are you doing? Go back to school. Shit. Okay. (laughs) In every episode, I display so much motherly love. It's actually beyond me to remember, like, how schools sometimes use this you know like whenever they would leave like hey a student in in charge you know prefect in harry Potter. <laughs> but yeah like they would leave somebody in charge and then you know you were to report on like the better ones and you had all the power that's kind of what gary replicated in this case it's just because he realized that had the that yielded the best results and it allowed him to actually basically not feel any guilt himself because hey the girl is choosing who is getting punished So there was one of the victims that really kicked off. Like, she was fiery from the first day, and she was just, again, just didn't realize how to deal with him. So, like, she thought of protesting and, you know, like, sticking up for herself, which in her case, and in this particular case, wasn't doing her justice. Because, so he killed her, like, a month or two into it. Basically, what he did was the, you know, his form of punishment, which was, like, hanging her by the wrist with one of the women handcuffs and she ended up freezing overnight. What he does with her after she's dead is again gonna give you chills. It's again one of those things where like this needs to be a movie because it is that fucked up. So he takes her dead body, he brings her upstairs to the house, he cuts her up, cooks some of the parts of her, like some of them she put he puts in the freezer and he basically labels it, he labels it dog food. You know, like how you have like pork chops and stuff in the freezer? No. He labels parts of this woman as dog food. But he's, so he's cooking some parts of it. Of course, this is human flesh. It smells slightly different than a fuck, like than actual meat would. So imagine the, how bad the smell was. The neighbors called the police. And now, again to prove to you that there is no such thing as easy justice, quick justice in this world. The neighbors actually call the police. The police comes over and he just says, ah, I was just roasting, you know, just having a roast. And they don't investigate further. They don't go into his kitchen to find his body, fucking body parts. They don't go to the basement where these women are chained. No, they just leave. And they allow him for a couple of more months of this. Whew! Okay. Now, once he actually does this human roast, he fed some of it to the girls. Now, there's this event as well, which just speaks to the crazy. At some point, he was comfortable enough 
to like that he overpowered them, he psychologically broke them. That he would bring the girls upstairs like to watch TV. And one of them basically they saw this commercial for dog food. And one of them was actually like commenting, "Ah, uh-huh, that looks like nice enough to eat." And Gary went ballistic. He was pissed. Basically because he's like, "I'm taking such good care of you, you know. I feed you like sandwiches and hot dogs and fast food and stuff." So he's like, "Great. From now on, you eat dog food." And then he would feed them dog food in the basement. Nothing. Nothing you could say to this guy in any of these situations is going to get you anything good. So with time, he starts putting the girls in charge again, but on a higher level. So now, if other girls misbehave, the girl that's in charge can actually punish them. And then when Gary comes back, so basically if nobody's beaten, or nobody's beaten to his standards, he'd punish all of them. And at that point, he starts playing psychological tricks on all of them. Like, he starts forcing them to have sex with each other, then with each other and with him. And he is getting to a whole new level. This is just like escalating day by day. And now is when he's getting properly paranoid. So what he realizes after a couple of months of this is that they can actually, because they're in a basement, right? In his own fucking house, logically. But he gets paranoid because they're, he thinks they're planning the escape because they can hear when he leaves the house. Okay, this is, remember the coffin part in uh, David Parker Ray's story? This is the coffin part here. If you're squeamish, if you don't want to hear the worst fucking part for me, at least, out of all of this psychological thing, skip for the next six seconds. Yeah? Just skip. Do yourself some justice, okay? Because what he does is just beyond me again. It's like, don't fuck with BDSM. Don't fuck with this. What he does... So he goes to the basement. He duct tapes them. He sticks a screwdriver into his ears. That is uh, wrong information. He sticks the thing into their ears. If he had stuck a screwdriver into his ears, that would have been a completely different story. Might have been, you know, better for the girls, but yeah, still a different story. He's just... Ears are there to be cleaned. Ears are there to be cleaned. Nicely and softly from wax. You cannot be fucking with people's ears. Okay. 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 Woo! Okay. We went for this part. So he just damaged, like, damages them psychologically, physically, everything. And now Josefina is the one that starts getting, uh, starts being spared because he puts some trust into her. Because she's the first one, she's been there for a while, and he sort of trusts her with like the duties that he leaves for them. But there's another girl that he brought called Deborah that starts again being feisty, starts being protesting. So what he does one day, he brings her upstairs. And once she comes downstairs and the girls are like, what what happened? What happened? This girl is silent for days. She is traumatized. And finally, when she speaks up, she tells them that he actually showed her Sandra's head. The girl that he chopped up and killed. Yeah, and pretended it's a roast. He has her head in a pot, and then the rest of her body in the freezer. And the girls are like, yeah, uh, this is a f- fuck. How do we get out of here? <laughs> we cannot end like this. Okay, as the ultimate escalation. Now, this is another nail in this coffin, right? Another escalation. And that everybody is like, we need to, like, Josephine, this is probably the final nail, the final fucking nail in the coffin for Josefina. She's like, I'm not gonna survive if I stay here. There is no fucking way. 
I need to figure out a way out. So he starts running the electric current through the metal shackles. Because he finally realized, like, the ultimate thing is, hey, he has metal already, let's run the electric current. So Deborah, the girl that started protesting, basically what happened? Like, he was like, yep, no, it's a day to punish Deborah. And he left Josefina in charge of it. And somehow, it's unclear whether him or Josefina suggested this, but one of them suggested to run the electric current, but not through metal shackles, but to pour water into the pit. Of course, electric current, water, Deborah dies. And what he does, he he goes upstairs, he writes up in his handwriting, again, genius, he writes up a contract that he gives Josefina to sign, and just a piece of paper for her to sign that she assisted in Deborah's murder. But by that point, I genuinely believe Josefina was mentally out. She was just literally trying to survive. She's like, yeah, cool, contract, yeah, I'll sign whatever the hell. Just, yeah, let me, let me plot and figure out how to get out of this. Then, as we know, she manages to convince him, hey, cool, now you definitely need more girls, right? Because you killed two of them. Idiot. You and your big family fantasies are not really achieving and stuff because you're killing girls. I mean, probably shouldn't tell you this way, but yeah. <laughs> so she manages to calm down his paranoia and to convince him she's gonna be the girl who's gonna help him get other girls into into his fantasy. And the first chance that she had, as we heard, basically they're scouting for a girl, and she's like, yep, 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 this is the time we're gonna go get her. Let me just go speak with my family for a minute. She runs, boyfriend's flat, boom, he's arrested. Cool. Now, now let's uh, go a bit into the background and try to figure out why Gary did what he did. Why the paranoia? Was he was he mad? What, what, what do you what do you think? Was he mad? Okay, background. Okay. okay, so few years before Gary starts his sex slave fantasy, his wife. Yep, he was married. Yep, you you got that right. But his wife. His wife, who is, by the way, preggers, skedaddles to Philippines while she was preggers. Why, you, you wonder? Because she witnessed him rape and torture multiple women while she was still in the US. So she's like, yep, no, I'm not even telling him I'm pregnant. She just fucks the fuck out. Also, he married, so he married this woman, his wife. <laughs> his wife. The Borat is strong with me, guys. It's strong with me. The Borat accent is with me. So basically, this was kind of... It was like a pen-palling thing, right? And this girl was in Asia, and she married, actually, to the US to be with him. But she just gets the fuck out once she sees, like, who she actually married. And after abuse... But also, she caught him in bed with with three women. Which kind of is a deal breaker, you know? It's like, oh, you don't just cheat with me uh, with one person? Okay, you have some, like, fantasies of having sex slaves and uh, all of these women having your children. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, just let me go to the post office. Drunk the fuck up. To Philippines. Yeah, that was accurate representation of what happened, right? You, you pictured it in your head. Yeah, great. Okay, going back to 1978, while he was dating somebody else. Okay, so this is where Gary and his vision of, like, how he can manipulate mentally worse of people. So he signed off his girlfriend's sister from a mental institution 
um, and then kept her for 10 days and tortured her. And this is when he actually got found out about this and he was charged. He only spent three years in the mental institution and then his sentence was overturned on appeal. Overturned on appeal. Again, how? How is there just... I understand prisons are overcrowded, but he signed off a girl out of a mental institution. They struggled to figure out who the fuck it was for 10 days. And then when they found her, she was obviously freaking tortured and everything. And then he was, his sentence was overturned. I am sorry, you, there was plenty of times, plenty of times in this story, where somebody to just stop this guy, who's clearly fucking mentally not stable. Now, before the crimes have begun, let's explain the Rolls Royce. Where, where, did he get, where did he get that money from? Why did I say he was a bishop? Like, any of this make sense to you? No, of course not. Well, okay, he found it, actually. This guy was doing all of this and managing to survive, because if you realize, like, his uh, basement business is kind of almost a full-time job, so he could only do something else on the side, so he had to find it before his crimes. He found it, actually, I don't have much against the name of this church slash cult. It was called United Church of Ministers of God. Okay, name. Solid, solid name, Gary. Solid name. So he grows a church and then starts off with, like, a community. So he went from, like, 50 to 500,000, okay? I mean, everybody needs Gary's skills for growing podcast audience, right? Right? No? Hmm. Debatable. <laughs> this is the most controversial statement I have made on this fucking podcast. Okay. What he uses is the money. Okay, now. So, we need, we might need his consultations, how to grow <laughs> the podcast audience. But then, we definitely don't need it on how to spend that money, because this guy was just not, not the smartest. So, he would spend the money buying Playboy magazines. Made. <laughs> Made. Wait, wait, what are we talking about? Also, he would get a Cadillac and Rolls Royce. So he was just basically getting off and then getting, you know, the small dick cards. What is the card that people buy that definitely proves, you know, he has some complexes around the size of his bean? Is there a specific car? Guys, guys, let me know. Yo, male listeners, I know you're out there. You know? You know where to find me? Yeah? Twitter, let me know. <laughs> is there a specific car? Is it a Range Rover? Or is it a Rolls Royce? I mean, hey, in Gary's... I, I believe in Rolls Royces because of Gary. Fuck it. Rolls Royce, small day. That's it. <laughs> Everybody's just like, but I just wanna roll my Rolls Royce. I just wanna roll. I just, I just can't deserve it. I'm rich, Maya. Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I believe you. I believe <laughs> This is around the time when he also moves in with his girlfriend. Who had the IQ of 48, which again means he could manipulate the shit out of this woman. And then he's like, hey, I have a legit business, right? I have a church. Yeah, this is this is where I start. This is where I start impregnating black women that attended my church. So how he starts his perverted lifestyle is because he used either the women from the mental health institutions due to his girlfriend's help or the women that attended his church. And that's when he sort of transitions to crime, signs off his girlfriend, fucks about, marries this woman, sleeps with three other women, this woman fucks off, and he's like, no, this is it's big business time. Go to the basement. Go. 
what in his young little Gary, baby Gary childhood might have triggered this. It's, this is not actually childhood, but his mom did kill herself again. What this wasn't. His mom did kill herself. However, this is not necessarily a trigger because her mom killed herself in 1970, and well, he started his um, crimes sort of in well, he escalated in the 1980s. But it's sort of after the mom killed herself that he says he had a vision where God spoke to him and said he had to open a church. So, hey, at least the mom, you know, sort of provoked that church business, which kind of ended up just as a front of more crime. So the mom um, was diagnosed with bone cancer and was suffering the effects, the effects from alcoholism, you know, because that's what baby Gary endured when he was young. So she committed suicide by drinking mercuric chloride. Again, why do people want to go the most fucking painful way? Okay, phone. You see, I moved the phone from the crotch. It's fucking over this podcast right now. I've just left it fucking vibrate on my clothes. Water break. Calm the fuck down. Calm the fuck down. So as a young David, he entered at a hospital, but he was fired for rude behavior. So basically he's... Um, teenage and like his early 20s were very much just him moving in and out of mental institutions. He was in mental institutions 22 times as a patient and he tried to commit suicide multiple times. Again, how can somebody upon arrest not look at this and be like, no, you are just either going to prison or moving between prison and mental institutions for the rest of your life. How do you release somebody like this after three years? People start looking into fucking records. I get that prisons are overcrowded, but then let people who need to be out, out. So he's basically, his teenagehood and his 20s are either he is in mental institutions or in the in-between. He actually served in Germany and he was actually great in the army. This guy was, this guy was great with structure. So he definitely was the one that, one of those people that needed structure to excel. He was retired, like, with an honorable pension afterwards, because while he was in the army, he started, like, showing symptoms of the psychological illness. So he was diagnosed with psychoid personality disorder. And, you know, then he comes back home, he sort of, like, he goes back to his father, but his dad is an alcoholic as well, like, both of his parents were. And then he's sort of, like, on and off from the mental health institutions. He applies to work for military, but then was rejected. So again, some something must have seemed off for somebody to be, you know, for somebody to serve in the military, no, serve in Germany, get retired with honorable pension, but then again, not to be accepted to work in the US. So again, what was it that flagged it? Because he did serve in it, and then at the military academy, he was exceptional. Apparently his IQ was between 130 and 140, which is high IQ. I don't think it's genius. I don't know shit about IQ. But yeah, but it is, like, it is sort of exceptionally high IQ. What the fuck is genius IQ? Okay, so score over 180 is considered high IQ. Score over 160 is considered genius IQ. Yep, so as I was saying, I was totally right, you see? Like, I don't, I didn't even need this Google machine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 130 to 140. So it was high IQ, right? Right. You know what? Anytime in this podcast, in this podcast, anytime um, 
<laughs> I have to Google something. I remember the dial-up era and I remember like the early teenage years. <laughs> so basically my mom would just be bringing, you know, I had like, you know, like those fucking hefty ass Windows computers we used to have, you know, with a clickety clackety mechanic keyboard, the good old days. Yep, yep, early, early 2000s. Get it, get it, get it. So basically, my mom would just like go into, into my room, you know, to drop off laundry and like to just put it into my cupboard. That would just be there, staring at the Google home, Google homepage. Like, yep, nope. Of course, mom, I'm not, definitely not into true crime. I'm not just googling some gruesome shit about like people as killers and the age of 13. Uh, I'm just googling the shit out of Google, mom. She would just look at me. And I would just sit still, not even touching anything, just staring at the Google homepage. Like it's the most beautiful thing that has ever been made. That's, that's, yeah, that's me when podcasting, I'm just like, what do we have to Google now? There's nothing on my mind, but it will definitely come during the story that it hasn't been researched. IQ, genius IQ, cool, get it. (laughs) Just need, like, the mom to just stand and judge me, like, Maya, true crime, again. Moving to Baby Gary's age, so this is 1950s, Baby Gary, Baby Gary. I need to meet a baby Gary in 2020. I need one person to name baby Gary and to see how that works for them. It works in this world. God, no. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. No, no, okay. So it will come as no surprise that uh, Heidnik did not interact with his fellow students and he refused to make eye contact. This guy is way too good. So, look at this. When a well-meaning new female student asked, did you get your homework done, Gary? He yelled at her and told her she was not worthy enough to talk to him. Gary's a bit eggy today, guys. Gary's a bit, like, just imagine, like, a fucking five-year-old being like, you are not worthy enough. Sorry, where did you hear this? What is this? What do you mean you're not worthy enough? What are we on about? Like, what do you mean you're not worthy enough? <laughs> For the guy to let you know he did his homework. Gary? Gary, it's 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 a bit too much. Gary is coming for me. I am hella dramatic. Gary, you, you need to chill a bit. <laughs> to take a chill pill, Gary, you, you're fucking five. Okay? And the mo- most famous thing from his childhood was that he was a bedwetter. So his dad used to constantly humiliate him for him, um, for this, and hang his sheets for the whole street to see. Talk about good parenting. Talk about how to actually not make your kids fucked up for life. (sighs) Also, there is apparently a report that he would hang Gary by his ankles sometimes as well. Which again, I'm not sure how correct that is. There's not much on this, but there's a lot of articles confirming he was a constant bedwetter. Um, And how his dad humiliated him about it. And then there is, again, the famous fall from the tree. So Gary apparently fell from the tree um, and was seriously affected by this, as in his head shape changed, causing kids to call him football head. Now this, if this, if you read this and you don't immediately think about Stewie from Family Guy, I don't, I don't know how you can listen to it. Like, I don't, like, are we, are we, are we not soulmates, guys? I thought, I'm in your ear, I thought we think exactly the same. Do you not think about Stewie from Family Guy when you read this? He fell from a tree. His head was a football head. Stewie, Family Guy, was Stewie from Family Guy, inspired by Gary Heidnick. How many seasons of that show? How many fucking seasons of that show? My whole life has changed right now. 
And this is where, like, the joke from different podcasters basically saying send send the child back comes from, as um, as his mom, where so he was basically on and off between his mom and his dad's care. By care, I mean they were just influenced by fucking alcohol, trying to like, hey, bring Gary to, to, to see reason as a child, of course, healthily. Because after his fall from the tree, his mom just sent him back to his dad. Just like, yep, football head, I can't deal with this. I can't deal, like, this is not the level of parenting I have reached yet. Yep, sent him back. Sent him back to the dad. In terms of a victim, so what we know about Josefina Rivera is now she is a fir- um, 53-year-old grandmother of six. And she is close to all of her family. She found peace finally, um, living near the sea in Atlantic in Atlantic City. So she married her long-term partner. And what she says is, you don't ever totally get over an experience like mine. You just have to learn to live with it. Which, again, just kudos to her. How do people do this? I don't fully understand it, but just, yeah, just so well for her. And then, basically, she said, like, she still regularly sleeps with her lights on and has a number of triggers coming from the ordeal that made her life difficult every day, even 27 years after it all ended. Again, just, I... Like, I don't understand how people get over this trauma, and it's apparent that even, yeah, this many years after, they they still don't. But at least, at least this guy, this piece of shit is dead, so, hey, at least there's something. Once something triggers you, just think about how he fucking just died, yeah? He was executed, yep, gone, gone. So now we have everything in order to discuss the motive for the murder that inspired Silence of the Lambs. What a creepy movie. What a creepy based on a true story moment, yeah? Now when you see based on a true story, immediately start sweating. Just immediately be like, I can't, like this movie is gonna be too much. You just know, you just know. Uh, moving on to motive. Okay, so I put as a primary thing that his mental health disorders just were hereditary, but weren't contained. So again, like, his mom suffered from depression as well, and she didn't know how to deal with it healthily. His dad was the alcoholic. None of these people knew how to actually contain it, and they just let it spread, and even despite of his IQ and everything, um, despite of his IQ, despite of him being actually skilled at his job, his mental health disorders just weren't cured and contained, and well, he wasn't hospitalized for, and like, for enough during a consistent period of time for somebody to actually look into this guy and, and find a way to cure him. But also, he had no remorse or inclination towards recovery himself. So it's again, at some point, yeah, it was the parents who were supposed to influence this, but then it was kind of supposed to be him just being like, hey, yep, I am actually diagnosed with this schizoid disorder, now I should actually get myself get myself fixed. But no, what he does is he just like, yep, I have a vision from God, the easy way out, right? A vision from God, I'm gonna create a church and then, you know, like, put the money from the church into my fucking bizarre little fantasies and then just escalate one thing after the next, because when you don't cure yourself, that's what happens. It just fucking just happens. Like, all of the addictions, all of the obsessions just escalate one by one until you reach the most paranoid level. Okay, I'm the fuck done. So I put he was a sadist as well, because he wasn't just, but at some point he wasn't, I mean, at all points that we have seen, 
even from his youth, he wasn't just willing to torture, murder, cannibalize, but he also involved other people to help. So he put his church at the forefront of this, and then, like, he involved his girlfriend into his girlfriends, his wives, onto it to either help or watch or be involved to some degree, and then finally he got the girls that he kidnapped in the basement to actually help him out get off on his fantasies. So, mental health disorders, sadism, and then everything was fueled by his childhood and by nobody actually figuring out that this guy needs to be hospitalized and needs to be under some serious supervision. Okay, rapid fire facts for this case. Okay, so while he was still in prison, his legacy in pop culture was secured when the character of Buffalo Bill in The Silence of the Lambs was based on him. The character's household horrors um, for keeping women confined in a basement unquestionably recalled Heidnik's crimes. Okay, I get that this was like, yep, it's recent, let's just still, it's bizarre, let's make a movie about it, but don't, don't give it to them while they're still alive. Mm-mm. No. I I refuse. Don't give it to people while they're still alive. Like, they're gonna fucking be like, yep, look at this. So his fucking last decade was just him gloating on him being the main character in somebody's movie. Oh, listen. Somebody just needs to psychoanalyze our glorifications of, of serial killers. And when is it actually a good time to make a movie about something like this? To bring awareness, etc. But like, Hey, maybe not while they're still alive and a death row, and this is basically their lifeline now. Okay, his defense. This is what I kept as a rapid fire, because it is just such a bizarre thing. And it, it again, just proves that Heinick was... He was premeditating this, he was still there, his IQ was still very high, and he was just a fucking sadistic son of a bitch. Because what he said as his defense is that the women that he kidnapped, right? No, he didn't kidnap him. They were in a house when he moved in. So, okay, so just imagine these fucking estate agents, yeah, bringing you to a house. You see, you know, a couple of women in a basement, just chained, yeah, with, with a pit there, dug. You're like, huh, this is so great, such a great property. Yeah, we're definitely buying it today. Sorry, what? What are we on about? The, the girls were in a house when you moved in. This is your defense. Gary? Gary? So his defense attorney is like, okay, Gary, shut the fuck up. Let's just go for the insanity defense. And like, let's just say you were unaware of consequences of your actions. That was obviously shut down during the trial because, uh, no, this, this is what you chose as your defense, mate. This is your life now. And he was found guilty uh, in July 1988 and he was sentenced to death by lethal injections. Little injection. One injection, right? One injection is little enough. Mm -mm 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 -mm. So he of course appealed multiple times. But yeah, he was put on a he was put to death in nineteen ninety nine. So it's actually yeah, literally this guy what served like served eleven years and then lived in glory because what when did Silence of the Lambs come out? Yep, nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety one, okay. So he basically, for the past, what, eight years? For the last eight years of his life, just lived thinking that he is Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. No, fuck this. <laughs> Every case that I could on just pisses me off on some next level. This guy's just on death row for the past, like, for the last eight years of his life. 
thinking that he has done something so great, there's a movie about him. Done. Done. And uh, he was the last person to have been executed in the state of Pennsylvania. Another fun fact, Heidnik spent a part of his last day listening to country music. What was country music like in, uh, in 1999? I don't know why, every time I think of country music, I either think of freaking Taylor Swift's early days. <laughs> I, I don't think Taylor Swift was making music in 1999. But um, yeah, let me know if he was listening to, to baby Taylor Swift. <laughs> Yeah, let me know what was country music like in 1999. And just the best one for the last, I guess. Um, the US metal band Macabre um, recorded a song about Gary M. Heidnik titled Morbid Minister. It can be found on the Murder Metal album. Okay, well, let's, let's do this. Okay, I just listened to it. I know I am not into battle, but uh, yeah, this sounds like something he would play on the radio while he would leave the women in the freaking ditch. Uh, so uh, yeah, to, to, to taste to, to their own. <laughs> um, yeah, li- definitely w- w- worth listen. Yeah, totally not traumatized now. Why do I have to fucking listen to every single shit that pops up here? <sighs> Why do I need to Google the shit out of Google about everything? Control, control your urges when you when you read something. You don't actually have to Google it. You can let other people email you about it and listen to it themselves and then tell you how it feels. Yeah. God. Okay. We are ending on a positive note as always. As always, these cases are always ending on the most positive note, guys. The sources for this podcast have been the Ohio Connection podcast. Really great one, like few episodes and it's just obviously Ohio, um, yeah, murders based in Ohio, like, you know, Gary Heine. <sighs> Ohio actually apparently has a really high rate of serial killers. I don't know why I always thought this was Florida. It's not. I forgot now which state it is. But yeah, it's apparently not Florida. Florida has a lot of uh, people doing, Florida men doing weird shit. Okay, if you, if you Google Florida men and today's date, it will come up with like, different news articles about Florida men on a specific day. Let me Google today. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, so I Googled today's date and the first thing that comes up is Florida man who had sex with dolphins says it seduced him. No, this is this is always beyond. <laughs> Florida man puts dragon lizard in his mouth, smacks people with it. Okay, so you Google Florida man and then you Google February and whatever date is, it will come up with headlines. And then there's obviously best Florida man headlines. No, let's let's do this, guys. <laughs> this is somebody to at work told me about this. Obviously at work because you know we just uh, we are very wary of our time and we are all professional and this is totally not acceptable to search at work. So fun, fucking the funniest thing anybody has shown me at work. It was the only worthy thing of that day. Um, Okay, let's see some February ones. Okay, there are like so there is a, a, okay. This is a squire like this is a squire. Oh my god, I'm gonna put a fucking article in my in my thing. It's from a squire and it like actually shows you like the best headlines for months. Okay, let's see February. Okay, so today's date. Wig helps lead to arrest of Florida man in 7-Eleven robbery. Deputies say. Ah, oh, not fun. I love the Delphine one. February 6th. Florida man tried to run over son because he didn't want to take a bath. 
<laughs> this this fucking headlines. <laughs> oh good. I'm gonna spend the whole fucking day reading this shit. This is insane. <laughs> there is guys through every day of the year. From like January onwards. This is insane. Oh god, this is this is a god given article. I'm definitely including this into this fucking Yep, so click at the link below. Trust me. Yeah, no, this is this is how we end it on a positive note. Why did this even come up? What the fuck? Oh, oh, sources. Yeah, I was deep into the sources. Florida. Yeah, Florida man, and then a date. Ch will change your life. Or just look at the best ones from Esquire. In the link below. Okay. Well, other sources for this podcast have been Red Handed Podcast. All That's Interesting, website, another great one for researching on true crime, The Inquirer, Wikipedia, and Murderpedia. Well, aren't you happy that this is finally a first freaking podcast that I'm actually ending on a Florida man note? <laughs> for some reason, again, which doesn't fucking make sense. But uh, yeah, this is a case about Gary Hyde, guys. So let me know what you think. Uh, what was? What do you think about the motive, about this guy? Yeah, do you agree with me? Do you disagree? Do you think there should be um, more movies made about him? P probably not. P probably not. <laughs> oh, God. Do you copy? Do you copy? <laughs> okay, I think I think you copy. Yeah, listen to that. I am lazily recording from bed. Like, I fucking took my microphone out of this nice professional thing. And I was like, no, I'm going to... <laughs> finish this episode from bed and then edit it and then publish it and enlighten all of you on another fucking psychopath that had his dungeon dream don't trust people with basements okay um any updates that i have for you yes yes i do i am uh, going to appear like britney did on the fucking ellen show and announce an announcement that's coming for you this week <laughs> it is about some patreon changes i had um a one-person meeting, best meeting, most productive meeting that I have had so far in my life. And I have uh, realized um, I can actually put some more content for you now on Patreon. And I'm going to do so. So all of you guys that pay for tier one, which is a fiver, you are going to have one extra episode, which is going to be like a long normal size one that's going to be uh, published once a month and all of you fuckers that are giving me 10 pounds a month which is like you're gonna get so much more for your money so you're going to have some extra content every single week plus that bonus episode that the fiber people have you see you see what i'm doing here for you. yep that's an announcement that's a pre-announcement i'm gonna make it like a little official with a little snippet sometime this week so you know one day this week you're gonna be like what the fuck it's not moti monday what is this moti wednesday or moti thursday Wh whatever moti friday like fuck knows what i'm gonna <laughs> so one day you're just gonna be downloading your episodes and you're gonna see like four minutes of just you know motive episode and you're gonna be like uh what the fuck that's that announcement okay but even now after this episode you can just click on the link in the description and head to the patreon page and uh, the extra episode for this monday is going to be there for you and it's going to be on the iq of serial killers uh, because that's what we sort of touched upon and let's see if we can draw any patterns any patterns low iqs um high iqs i know you all wondered about this 
how do I go on a date? And somebody tells me they have a high IQ. What does that mean about them? Like, am I going to get murdered tonight? <laughs> By the way, like, a husband was watching the first dates, which makes me cringe, so I don't watch it. But he was like, come here, like, there's a woman that you're going to like. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> there was this woman. <laughs> and she was like, yep, I'm a criminologist. So, Ed Gein, I used to dress in people... <laughs> This was her intro. So, Cap, I'm a criminologist, and uh, what I know about serial killers, well, Ed Gein used to dress in uh, female skin, and, you know, had some vaginas in his drawer, and I was just like, I just love this woman, but this this is one sick intro for the first date. <laughs> yes. So, um, head to the Patreon page, and we might discover if somebody appears on the first date and they're slightly too upset with serial killers, what does that mean about them? Also, what's coming this week, because, well, I uh, didn't start this the first week of February, have I? So I don't wanna, you know, um, not honor the four mini-sodes on on freaking Patreon as well. So I'm actually listening to this great audiobook that I'm going to review for Patreon. But but that might come as a sneak peek in the announcement this week. This is just, again, announcement of an announcement. Because if Britney can do it, so can I. <laughs> Why is my fucking hooray this week? There's like a minute of silence while I'm thinking, what the fuck is my fucking hooray this week? Well, my hooray is that I actually have recorded for like three hours yesterday for your next episode so the episode seven and um it will be with an interview with somebody oh very famous so very famous <laughs> so finally i am going to be the person telling a story to somebody else who is as interested in true crime and it's going to be a longer one so don't come onto the feed next week and be like why is this episode like hour and a half long maya what the fuck is this no, go, enjoy it. It's probably the most researched one I've done so far as well. So you're really gonna get, like, fucking spooked and disturbed. So, as soon as you stop listening to this podcast, head to Patreon page, Motipod. You need to slide into my DMs and tell me, Maya, I cannot make any sense of this. Please help me out. And I will be like, yes, they're doing it because their head is the shape of the Stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> now, everybody, when you go watch Family Guy, mm-hmm, what are you going to be thinking about? Fucking Harry Heidi. Well, that's the announcement of the announcement done. So follow, rate, and subscribe. And uh, what is that thing that I say? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Keep uh, making the world a better place. One motive at a time. Uh, bye fuckers!